Let's pray. Amazing, amazing love, Father. That's what brings us here. That's what compelled us to come and come to hear somebody. We came to be with you. And we need a sense now in the space that you show up. You're already there, but open our eyes so that we see you. This will be about you that way, all of our eyes looking to Jesus, and that's how it should be. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend Tara Van Cross has written a a new book. You're going to love it. I hope you read it. Deep Calling. And in the book, she tells a story that appeared in the newspapers in Tacoma, Washington, where she once pastored. It's a story about a basset hound. You know what a basset hound looks like? You know, the long ears and short legs. And it's named Tattoo. Well, I like that name. One evening, a police officer, motorcycle patrolman, Terry Filbert, is cruising around North 21st Street and Adams Street around 725 when he notices a vehicle that has, it appears to have something dragging from it. He turns the bike around and he catches up with the vehicle and he starts to pass it and realizes it's a basset hound whose leash is caught in the door. He finally, he finally pursues them to a pull over. They pull over. He said, what were you thinking? He told the uh, reporter of the newspaper later that that dog was picking him up and putting him down as fast as he could. At some places, the dog exceeded 25 miles an hour. I mean, please. Rolled over a few times as well. So a man and a woman get out. And when he tells him about the dog, the driver starts shouting, tattoo, tattoo. Well, there's good news to this story. The dog was uninjured and no citation was issued. But I'm sure he gave him a little lecture about if you ever walk your dog again, don't do it with the car door. Just walk them on a sidewalk. That's what they're for. When I think of Tattoo the Basset Hound, two lines of Scripture come to me. I'm going to lay them on you right now. Line number one is the title of this moment that you and I are sharing together. My soul followeth hard after thee. Beautifully read a moment ago, Psalm 63. The psalmist is not complaining about his leash caught in the door. The psalmist is chasing after, guess who? You got it. The Almighty Himself. My soul followeth hard after thee. Some of you are in this space right now and your hearts are longing for God. I know it's true. And you've come to the right place at the right time. You're going to meet Him right here. My soul followeth hard after thee. And the other line I think about is that when I think about the tattoo, I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's all of us. We are all running on the treadmill of life until we're about going crazy. And you know what we're shouting? Give me off of this treadmill, please. I tell you what, I got some great news for the likes of you and me. We're going to encounter in one moment a splendid opportunity that will come to you to get off this treadmill every seventh day of every single week you have left to your life. I'm just thinking to myself, I wonder if these two lines, these two lines were meant to go together. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy with Jesus. 
My soul followeth hard after thee. I think they go together. Let's try them out for size. There's a little secret about the Sabbath most people don't know. And those who do know have usually forgotten. So we're going to go to Jesus for this secret unveiling. Come on, Jesus, Lord, teach us. So we're going to go to his life. Yep. He's in Capernaum. Capernaum, open your Bible, by the way, to Mark chapter 1. He's in Capernaum. Capernaum is his home away from home. He grew up as a boy in Nazareth, but now he's got a bunch of guys that are following him, and they're all fishermen, and they're all from Capernaum. So he makes Capernaum his home against a home away from home, and it's Sabbath morning. And where do you think the creator of the universe would be going on Sabbath morning? He's going to church with his buds. So they're all piling into church. I don't know if they sat in the balcony or sat down on the main floor, but they went to church. I want to take a look at that. Matthew, Mark, rather. Mark chapter 1. Oh, this is a great story. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum. There it is, see? They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went. As Luke 4 tells us, he did every single Sabbath. He went to church. So you're in good company. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Oh, man, if he could stand up in front of this little congregation, I'd sit on a back row to here, wouldn't you? My, you can't imagine it. But in the middle of worship, true story, a man, a man leaps to his feet. The man's going berserk. He's demon-possessed. That's what's going on. And he's shrieking. You understand that everything comes to an end? Of course it does. But the demon, fallen angel, that is possessing the man, forgot the little lesson. Don't mess with Jesus. And just like that, out of him I command you, boom, the demon's gone. By the time everybody gets their, their, their pulse rate calmed down, Jesus resumes his teaching. What do you suppose everybody talked, talked about over Sabbath dinner that day? Can you imagine it happened in here, please? I'll keep going. So, so sir, church is over now. Okay, we'll pick it up right there. Church is over. As soon as they left the synagogue, Jesus and his disciples, they went with James and John, the Zebedee brothers, to the home of Simon and Andrew, all fishermen, and they're all from Capernaum. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed. I want to hit the pause button right there. I want to say, I want to give a shout-out to mothers-in-law. If you have a mother-in-law who is still alive, count your many blessings. They got these crazy jokes about mother-in-law jokes. Don't even pass one along. I had the privilege of sitting beside my mother-in-law as she breathed her last, holding her hand and her daughter on the other side of that bed. I love that woman. She gave me a beautiful wife. Never make fun of a mother-in-law. And if you still got one alive, be in touch with her. Love on her. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. My, oh, my. I keep reading. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. Why? Well, we were in church today. We saw what happened. The whole town, story ends, the whole town gathered at the door. Now, what's up with this waiting until sunset business, huh? Help me out with that. Ah, oh, you know what's up, don't you? What's up is the clergy of the town. The clergy of the country have made a law. You can't heal anybody. You can't help anybody. You, can't, you cannot help somebody who needs healing or 
or comfort. Uh-uh. Well, somebody forgot to tell Jesus because he healed, some, he, he healed somebody before he sat down for Sabbath, Sabbath dinner. Oops. Yeah, you know the truth. Seven, seven of his great miracles were reserved for the seventh-day Sabbath to remind us that the creator of this day enters into our suffering with us. Some of you listening to me right now are suffering. You have a mask on in this church. Of course, we all have masks on. But you have a, you, you have a f- facade that says everything is cool. I'm fine, thank you. you. Nobody else knows that you are not fine right now. Your heart is aching. Your heart is breaking. You've gone through a mess this last week. You survived this far, but you need somebody to enter that broken space and breathe his comfort into you. You came to the right place when you, when you went to Jesus. Yeah. So we can quickly infer that the clergy are not always right, and I'll be the first to admit that. They're wrong. You can heal on the Sabbath. In fact, what Jesus says over in Matthew, I love this line. Never forget this line. It's a good one to have locked away in your heart. Jesus says, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. All the clergy are saying, it is unlawful to, unlawful to, unlawful to. Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. Let me just tell you one thing. It's lawful to do good. That's all you need to know. It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Thank you, Lord. Next time I come to your seventh day, almighty creator, I'm going to remember that line. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. After all, he's the one who created the seventh-day Sabbath in the beginning, did he not? But what's so intriguing about the creator and his use of time or his, his structure of time is that he is not synchronized, the creator of the universe, to our mechanical clock time. He has his own time, creation time. That's why for the creator, you don't need a Rolex. Couldn't afford one anyway. You need a Timex. I do have one of those. If you have a Timex... You still don't have to look at it. Because instead of making Seikos, he made sunsets. And that's all you need. In fact, you remember the creation story. Everybody knows the creation story. Jesus starts. The creator starts with what? Is it light or dark when he starts creation? Help me out quick. Light or dark? Of course, it's dark. And then he says, let there be what? Light. So the first day sets the pattern for every single day afterwards. He starts with the dark, and the day ends with the light. And that's why the first day record in Genesis 1-5 reads, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. You read the second day, it's the same. And there was evening and morning the second day. The third day, the fourth day, the fifth day. What's the creator doing? He's counting one rotation from light to darkness and darkness to light. He says, that is a day right there. Oh, and of course, we know that when he comes to the sixth day, yep, we know this verse, and God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So in the next verse, when God creates the seventh-day Sabbath, how do you suppose the Sabbath will be marked and delineated? You got it right. And there was evening, and there was morning, the seventh day, sunset to sunset. That's what's going on with the people in Capernaum. They were told, you can't come till the Sabbath is over. Sunset. Ah, the Creator Himself observes that creation time. Boy, would you love Him for it? In fact, when the Creator comes down here 
in this, in this glorious event that's happening in the universe that we call the incarnation. When he comes down here, there is no confusion about when the Sabbath begins and when the Sabbath ends. In fact, when the Creator was on top of Mount Sinai with one of his closest friends in history, a man named Moses, he says, hey, listen, you remind everybody, this is how you do it. Leviticus 23, 32. How's it read? From evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. Creation time. You don't need one of these. You just have to know. You can see the diminishing of light, and the Sabbath has come. Beautiful, beautiful. Why, 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 why did the Creator put so much insistence on this while he was here. Ah, because with his finger, he carved it in the granite himself. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And he does. Sigvi Tonstad found this writer. I don't know where he found the writer, but this is beautiful. I have to share it with you. I'll put it on the screen right here. The Sabbath, and the writer is Pentius Pelli. I love the name, Pentius Pelli. The Sabbath declared once by God comes and goes at regular intervals, intervals without any human invention. You don't need anything, nothing on your wrist. Mm-mm. Don't need any Wi-Fi. Don't need, don't need Internet to know when the Sabbath begins. You don't need any of that. Mm-mm. It comes and goes at regular intervals without any human in- invention. She, oh, I love this, calling the Sabbath a she. She cannot be stopped or postponed. Mm-mm. It remains up to us, however, to let her in, to receive her properly. Oh, they used to do this 2,000 years ago when Jesus was here. What does it mean to receive the Sabbath properly? Oh, it's, it's not rocket science. Let me tell you. Karen and I, we just did it last night. We do it every, every, every Friday at sundown. And we, sing, we sing a few songs, pull out the old battered-up trombone. Alan and uh, Karen's at the keyboard, and we just play some fun music together. And then we sit down. We're trying to memorize some Scripture passages together. So we sit down. We read a, we got a great storybook by a friend of mine named Dick Dirksen. So we're reading those stories, and, and then we have prayer. And you know what we say in our prayer? If we spoke Spanish, here's what we would say. On that, in that prayer, these would be the words we would use. Mi casa es su casa. And what's that mean? My house is your house. Come on in. We welcome Jesus into our house. Of course, he's been with us the whole week, 24-7. But in a special way, he comes in on the Sabbath. And guess what? We say goodbye to the Sabbath the same way. A few songs, a little bit of reading, and we pray. Don't leave us, Jesus. But thank you for the day we just had with you. That's no big, no no rocket science kind of get a degree in this. No, you can do it tonight. You can do it. Say goodbye to the Sabbath tonight with Jesus. It remains up to us, however, to let her in, to receive her properly, to acknowledge that, indeed, we do have an extra dimension to our being. Oh, this is good. Now, here it comes. For if we are not more than what we are, we are most likely less than what we are. Oh, you got to look at that. Just read it off the screen. I mean, what, what, what does that say? What are we? We are children of the Creator. (laughs) Yes, we are. Brought into existence, each one of us, by His personal choice. I repeat, you are not here by accident. You were called into being by by your Creator. That's who we are. 
And we were born with a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. You don't have to belong to any religion. You can be Mr. No, Mrs. No, Miss No Religion. I have no religion. Guess what? Can't help it. You already have a God-shaped vacuum in your heart. And it will only be filled by the Almighty Himself. Nothing else can fill it. That's why people keep chasing and chasing and chasing. I got to find something. Try your God-shaped vacuum. Fill it with him. Anyway, Siegfried Tonstad, who does some excellent, uh, some excellent study over the, examining the origin of the Seventh-day Sabbath, powerfully contrasts the stark difference between what he calls creation time and clock time. I got to share this with you. This is, this is beautiful. The Sabbath has the power, he writes, to overturn distorted priorities. Keep reading. In the biblical perspective, the Sabbath interrupts the routine of clock time and the obligation of work by calling all creation to a day of rest according to the great clock of nature. That's beautiful. The man is a poetic writer. He's an MD and a PhD New Testament scholar, all of it in one. Keep reading. As daylight fades, this is beautiful, as daylight fades every Friday night, From evening to evening, we just read the verse, the Sabbath breaks the cycle of business and the struggle for subsistence. At the setting of the sun, clock time yields to creation time in order to respond to a higher summons mediated by the clock of creation, end quote. The seventh rotation of the earth at the end of every week from sunset to sunset marks the beginning, duration, and end of his Sabbath. Beautiful. One more line. For this reason, the hours of the Sabbath begin at the gentle tolling of nature's ruling light, not an arbitrary hour defined by a mechanical clock. No, 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 no. So here's the question. We're all asking it. How does all this work? I got to share something really, really special with you. My friend Maureen Raj found this. She found it on Instagram. And it is an Instagram post, an Instagram post by by, uh, Eli Albrecht. Now, let me tell you who he is. He is a young Jewish private equity merger and acquisitions lawyer. That's a mouthful, but that's what he does for a living. He's kind of a dude. He's a young Jew. He's a Sabbatarian just like you. Watch how he deals with the Sabbath. Now, this is for the whole world to read. That's how Marie found it. Here we go. I, says this young, successful lawyer, I observe Shabbat, Sabbath. I have tried to hide it at different times, but never compromised it. And it makes me a better lawyer, father, husband, and human for 26 hours beginning sundown on Friday, 26 Yeah, he has an hour on either end, just to make sure we come into this time together. For 26 hours, at the beginning of sundown, on Friday, I turn off my phone and computer. I don't use electronics. And what I affirmatively focus on is self-growth. I lean in and nurture my relationship with my kids and my beautiful wife. Most importantly, I evaluate whether I was the kind of lawyer, co-worker, father, and husband that I wanted to be this past week and how I can do better this coming week, writes this Sabbatarian. <laughs> oh, this is good. Throughout my career, I was told that to do M&A, and I, 
you know, it's merger and acquisitions, okay? To do M&A, especially P.E., I didn't write this down, it's private equity. I would have to, so I was told, I would have to compromise my Shabbat observance. Mm -hmm. A successful M&A lawyer and mentor told me, yo, Eli, you may be the best attorney in the world, but unfortunately, if we get an LOI, letter of intent on Friday night, I need you to turn it back to the client by Saturday night. If you can't do that, clients just can't work with you. Have you ever considered going into tax law? (sighs) Don't have to deal with people at all. That was the counsel he got. And then he tells, he tells about his, his, his acquaintance with Joe Lieberman. Joseph Lieberman, a, a very well-known uh, senator, retired senator now in the United States Senate, wasn't observing, observant. This is the word I heard Eli in a, in a uh, podcast. He's an, obs- I'm an observant Jew. I observe the Sabbath. Lieberman was the same. All right. Oh, this is good. Shabbat is designed to reinforce, so this is to the public, he's speaking now. Shabbat is designed to reinforce that our value is not the sum of our productivity or what we produce. Our value goes beyond our work and beyond the economic value we create. Isn't that good? When all the ringing and pinging is gone for 26 hours, you know what that is, don't you? Yep, that crazy vibrator. When all the ringing and pinging is gone for 26 hours, you realize that your worth is independent of your work. And then at the bottom, Shabbat Shalom to all. Wow. Pretty impressive, wouldn't you say? Let me ask you a question. Could you give that testimony? Could you give that testimony to the world who knows you're Sabbatarian? Your stereo blaring, Friday night late, live streaming, flickering on your little Sabbath laptop long into the night. Do you compromise the Holy Sabbath? Working a little extra on the job when you should be at home with Jesus before sunset? Playing a little longer on the basketball court. I know the game ought to be over now, but come on, just a few more points, please. On the golf links. Sun dropping. I should be with my family right now. Do you do that? What is the Sabbath to you? Willing to compromise your Sabbath convictions so that for the sake of advancement or a bigger paycheck? How did Eli Albrecht put it? I'm going to let you read it because I just read it to you. While I recognize that Shabbat observance could result in a detriment to my career or winning certain clients, the gains to my mental health, peace of mind, creativity, innovation, closeness to family, and overall well-being, and I put in not to mention being obedient to my creator, are absolutely priceless. I will never give up the Shabbat. That's from a lawyer Jew. What do you do? Who are you? You believe in Jesus? You celebrate the Sabbath? Would you post words like that? Wow. Apparently you can. Apparently you can live this way. Oh, what are those two lines we're tracking? My soul followeth hard after thee. Whatever I do is for him. My soul followeth hard after thee. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy with Jesus, with Jesus. 
Let's go to a Lutheran. Okay, we're picking people, not in my faith community. Is that okay? So we're going to a Lutheran. His name is Walter Brueggemann. He's an Old Testament scholar. He, he's written a book. It's a good book. I read it. Sabbath as Resistance, Saying No to the Culture of Now. And in the book, he takes a swipe at something you treasure, up there or down here. Listen to him. Here we go, Walter Brueggemann. In my horizon, the most unwelcome form of multitasking is with the cell phone. Oh, stop, stop, Dwight. Don't continue, please. No, come on. In my horizon, the most unwelcome form of multitasking is with a cell phone. On the phone while at dinner with a guest. You and I don't do that. Or while driving. You and I don't do that because it's against the law of Michigan. Yeah, right. But a much more poisonous form of multitasking is taking notes during a church service. I want to tell you something. If you want to take notes during a church service, just write them down. You have full dispensation from here. You may write notes down from the sermon. But he's not talking about the sermon. Taking notes during a church service. What are on the notes? Not notes on the sermon, but a grocery list. Or calls to return. Or deals to make. Or social media posts. I just have to post right now, please. Excuse me. I'll be back, God. Multitasking is the drive to be more than we are, to control more than we do, to extend our power and our effectiveness. Such practice yields a divided self with full attention given to nothing. When you multitask, and some of you consider yourselves at your ripe young age experts at multitasking, you have given yourself to nothing fully. Everything is just half or a quarter or a third However many tasks you are multitasking. Well, that's pretty heavy stuff. He says, let's go to the Sermon on the Mount. Let's talk about Jesus. Good idea. Jesus offers an ominous characterization of multitasking. Remember this from the Sermon on the Mount? No one can serve two masters. Mm -mm. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You can't multitask with God. You can't. And then to make sure we get it, and you're going to blush a little bit with this, but that's okay. It makes the point very well. It's like making deep love, but all the while watching the clock. Well, I drop it too, hearing that. <laughs> Some guy said, no. Oh, was that my phone? No. <laughs> I'll repeat it because you missed it now. It is like making deep love, but all the while watching the clock. Can you imagine that? How long do you think Karen would allow me to do that? Huh? You say, pastors don't make love. Are you serious? Is that in the Bible? It's not in the Bible. You're trying to pull my leg. You got the, you got the man's point. You got Brueggemann's point. Listen, nobody's condemning the technology. Hold on, hold on. Nobody's condemning the technology. Eli Albrecht is not. Walter Brueggemann is not. The Lord Jesus Christ is not condemning technology. He's asking us something, however. Are we multitasking with God on His holy Sabbath? Or any other day, I suppose. Making love to your cell phone on the Sabbath, tick-tocking away on God's holy nickel, on God's holy day. I don't, listen, it doesn't matter to me. I know you're a very popular student. 
and people are demanding to hear from you right away. I understand that part. And I know you're a great professor. I don't know what it, all, what all it is you teach, but I understand why multitasking is so important for you. But what Walter Brueggemann is reminding us is that nobody gets full attention when I multitask. Not God, not nobody. And when I multitask on the Sabbath, I've made a statement. The one who bought me, how can it be amazing love? For thou, my, my God, has died for me. I'm telling him, ah, not a big deal. Ah, oh, man, Dwight, that's pretty heavy. Well, think about it. Can people tell that we're observing the Sabbath? Let me rephrase that question. Can people who know who we are, because Sabbatarians are known all over this community, sometimes I say unfortunately, can they tell whether we're being faithful to our Sabbatarian convictions? Do they know? Do they see it? Do they sense it? Well, I don't do, I don't do anything to be seen. Well, you are doing something to be seen because it's being seen. Well, people know. On a more pleasant note, here, here's an email from one of you. Thanks for sharing it with me. I got your permission to share it. I, the email begins this way. I often think back to a little incident that took place several decades ago when we still lived in northern Minnesota. There was a Christian family who had several sons. The older sons were in sports in the public school system. Why not? And they were good, quite good in sports. So mom and dad went to pretty much all the games. But their youngest son, who was about our son's age, which was under five at the time, was a good friend of our son. And their son got bored with the game. So his parents would come over to our place many times on Friday evenings when most of the, most of the games take place. And we were happy to have him with us. I recall, I recall one Friday evening when my friend hurriedly dropped off the youngest son, and, and she looked around. She looked around at the peaceful surroundings, fire in the fireplace, reading Bible stories to the kids, and she said, you know, sometimes I really envy you having your Sabbath day. Wow. It was then that I truly realized what a blessing the Sabbath is. I've often thought since then, what a relief it is all at once, that, that once a week I have permission from the greatest authority in the universe to drop all the busyness of life on this earth and just rest in His love. I can't imagine life without the Sabbath. Good for you. We didn't have to go to a successful Jewish lawyer to find out that people are blessed by the Sabbath. We just heard from one of you. God bless you. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Sundown Friday, the sundown Saturday. I got to say this. Uh, this is not rocket science. This is not rocket science. God says, I love you. You love me. I've given you a bright mind. You've got a loving and compassionate heart. Listen, I have not published a book, 50 Lawful Ways to Celebrate the Sabbath. There is no book. You can't find it here. I love you, and you love me. My soul follows hard after you, God. Good. Come on. On the seventh-day Sabbath, from sundown to sundown, God has inserted a day in which our lives are spiritually recalibrated, turning away from all the gifts 
and turning our hearts in a high, concentrated way to the giver. Because that's my problem. I talk more about the gifts. Even when I talk to him, I talk more about the gifts than the giver. Sabbath comes to recalibrate. I want to end with with a line from A.W. Tozer with you, his book, Pursuit of God. We have worship. I'm talking about the pastors and chaplains of this campus. We have worship every Monday. If you're wondering where we are on Monday at 1.30, we're downstairs. Our chair's in a circle, all masked, and we're having worship together. We're reading through uh, Tozer's little book, Pursuit of God. And then we have time to pray and apply it in prayer. So just this last Monday, we're going around the circle, not but one by one, but people are taking turns praying. And one of the occupants of the circle says something, speaks a line in that prayer that goes straight to my heart. Just boom. You know how the Spirit does it. Just boom. Are you listening to this, Dwight? Because I've been struggling with this notion or this need to give more of my devotion to the giver and less of my attention to the gifts. Seems like every time I, I show up with God, I say, hey, God, it's so nice to be with you. Now, listen, here's my list for today. Boom, 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 boom. And I can, spend, I can spend minute after minute after minute. I can fill an hour with that. And God says, there's something wrong with this picture. What are you doing? Let me read you a line that we've already read in our little circle from A.W. Tozer. Oh, yeah, my soul followeth hard after thee. Oh, I remember that one. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And I love adding the words with Jesus because that's how you do it. And then that line from last week, I am wholly yours, Jesus says, so I want you to be wholly mine. You don't need to multitask when you're around me. I want all of you. I want all of you. Okay, here's Tozer. When religion has said the last word, there is little that we need other than God himself. The evil habit of seeking God and... And that's, you, that's so many times, that's how I go to God. God, it's so nice to be with you. I love you back. And by the way, can I, while we're here together, and it's the end that just keeps adding all the gifts that I need from you right now, giver. Toza says, the evil habit of seeking God and effectively prevents us from finding God in full revelation. Keep reading. In the and lies our great woe. If we omit the and... We shall soon find God, and in him we shall find that, for, find that for which we have all our lives been secretly longing. I am what you're longing for. I am what you've been seeking. Come to me. Every Sabbath, recalibrate. Recalibrate, realign, so that you and God are connected again. Wow. So anyway, we're having this prayer, and that's what the Spirit is saying to me. The Spirit is saying, hey, boy, did you, did you hear what was just said in that prayer? You know, Dwight, I get a lot of the gift stuff from you, and we're happy to give you gifts, so don't take me wrong. But I wish you would concentrate on the giver more than the gifts. Huh? I'm what you're looking for. I'm what you're seeking. Talk to me. Open your heart up to me. Ah, in that split second, I knew he was right. And that's why the Sabbath. Recalibrate. Recalibrate. Here's a prayer you can pray every Sabbath. Come on. It's a simple prayer. It goes like this. Oh, God, I want you more than your gifts. 
I want you more than your gifts. I love the gifts, but I didn't come today for gifts. I just want you. I want you more than your gifts. As I read, it beautifully captures this, this quiet, quiet depth of the Sabbath day with these words. When every other voice is hushed, shh, for me, late Friday night is a good time for that. When every other voice is hushed and in quietness we wait before him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. He bids us be still and know that I am God. Here alone can true rest be found. Wow. That's it. Oh, my soul followeth hard after thee. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy with Jesus. I am wholly yours, and that's why I want you to be wholly mine. What a giver. Huh? What a giver. What a prayer. What a prayer. Come on. Oh, God. I want you. I want you more than your gifts. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, that's what the Sabbath reminds us. We get it. And so we have but one prayer to pray to you. Oh, God, I want you more than your gifts. Please, and thank you. Amen. Amen. Two little responses to what we just shared together. You know the drill. If you go to our number, 269-281-2345, the, the code today is Banner 5. Banner 5. And here are the two steps. My next step today is more than his gifts. I want to seek and experience the giver each Sabbath. Yeah, me too. I got it. But this one, I want you to think of this one. This is box number two. I would like to worship and honor my Creator on His Sabbath from sunset Friday evening to sunset Saturday evening. Please pray for me as I experience God's Sabbath for the first time. Now, look, here's the deal. I put up a response last week, and a bunch of you sent it, sent it in. And, and, and when you clicked that, I told you, I promised you, I would pray for you by name, and I have. I got a little list of names that I'm keeping where I have worship in the morning. Prayed for you this morning. But this is, this is different now. This is the first time. Please pray for me as I experience God's Sabbath for the first time, this sunset to sunset. Just pray for me that it will, that it will go well with my soul. My friend... It will go well with your soul. I promise you.